Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 41 with filmmaker Rena Dutt, who we had a beautiful opportunity to interview today and discuss some incredible things surrounding a short film she made called Too Many Bodies. I went to the San Francisco Dance Film Festival in October of 2018 here and was so touched by this film, it literally brought me to tears. And not just like a couple tears. I was crying for <laughs> several minutes after. I'm sorry, I have to admit that to the world. Uh, but I'm not ashamed. The film brought that out of me. And it's a short film. Go watch it on YouTube. It's around five minutes in length. And nothing graphic in the film. It's a, it's a dance artistic piece with some beautiful music and images and reminders of this uh, exploding topic ever since Columbine, which happened the year after I graduated high school, which dates me and ages me. This was 1998. I graduated in 1999. Columbine happened. And since then, according to the film, and when that was released at least, there's been at least 232 school shootings alone, let alone churches and synagogues and things like Las Vegas that took place in 2017 and and just all kinds of things that, that go into this topic. We talk a lot in this particular interview about all that stuff and uh, factors that feed into it. We're not getting too political here, just food for thought, uh, some statistics to, to, you know, kind of mull over in our minds as we form our opinions here. But I want you to know that uh, this is a very important topic in our society, and it's not just about guns. It's about love and hate and and all the various sorts of things in our society, bullying, and just tons of beautiful conversation we had. I want to also point out, as usual, before we get into the interview, you are priceless. I want to remind you of that, as we always do. You are priceless, worth more than all the trauma and trials and difficulties and money and stuff of this world. You are bigger and better and worth way more than that. It's not even in the same ballpark. You are worth way more, and if you've experienced bullying or any of the other ugly things in our society, you're not alone. That's another thing I want to remind you of. You are absolutely not alone. So remember that, take heart in that reality and and know that uh, there's love for you and there's resources for you. Reach out to me at uh, empowerhumans.com or at empower101 on Instagram and Twitter. Send me direct messages. I'll respond to you. You know, I'm not super flooded at the moment. So if you're listening to this later, and I am flooded, my apologies, but maybe at that point I'll have staff and also we'll be able to communicate. But one way or another, reach out and find help if you need it. You are priceless and you're never alone. I want to just wrap up before we get into the interview, and you, you can form your own opinions and your own path about it. Again, it's not too political. That, that may include for you changing course, maybe within your own family, because we talk a lot about that. Uh, we talked about uh, family dinner nights, and we talked about therapists And I want to make clear that in no way did we minimize the immense value of therapists and counseling. I don't want anything misconstrued here. We're just kind of talking about how some of that can happen within healthy family situations as well uh, in terms of being able to receive some some counsel and, and help. And it's such a crucial lifeline for so many to have counseling. And it's helped me personally. So, you know, I'm also advocating as a recipient of counseling personally in my own life. And so many others as well, that therapy, whether you've been traumatized in any way or any of the other myriad of reasons, it's a very priceless tool as well, among other tons of resources. There are clouds of ugliness and negativity in our society 
that, that maybe breed a spirit of hopelessness at times. But I want you to know that those are kind of a delusion. Once those clouds dissipate, there is way, way, way more reasons to be hopeful and happy and content and find answers starting in your own home and your own life surrounding these hard issues. Our podcast is actually brought to you by Audible, which produces and releases and makes available tons of audio content of various informational sources and, you know, books in particular, audio books, uh, audibletrial.com slash empowerhumans. You can go there and get yourself a free audio book. They offer that for our listeners. They sponsor our podcast, audibletrial.com slash empowerhumans. You know, browse their matchless selection of zillions, literally, if that were a word, zillions of options of things, fiction, nonfiction, biographies, uh, whatever it might be that you can also contribute uh, to your learning as we, you know, always challenge our audience to study. So go to audibletrial.com slash empowerhumans and get your free audiobook today. Enjoy our interview with Rena. And without further ado, here it is. We've had a few emails back and forth, and you were traveling outside the country a little bit, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. I was over in India, actually, um, for <laughs> for about three weeks. Oh, wow. How was it? I've never yeah. been to India. How, how is it over there? I mean, there's lots and lots of people, from what I understand, for one thing, but... <laughs> yeah, there's a ton of people, and it's like a, it's a living dichotomy of a country, which is kind of awesome uh, and eye-opening and... You know, all the good things and bad things put in one place. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful country. It's really a beautiful country. Did, do you have family <laughs> there? Have you been there before? Or Yeah, yeah. My um, All my extended family is there. Uh, so my father's family and my mother's family, they all pretty much live there. And then we have a, a couple family members scattered throughout the world. But um, there's not a whole lot. So the majority of us are still in India. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. You have people to visit when you go there. And for our audience, the main reason I got in touch with you is I went to the San Francisco Dance Film Festival in uh, October. And oh, yeah. you guys had this film there that just, uh, I don't even know what words to put to it. Uh, and any words would probably not be sufficient. <laughs> As to, For me, at least personally, it affected me real deeply. And I was actually in tears sitting there watching this film. And it's not its not a long, you know, feature length film by any means. The film is called Too Many Bodies. And it really affected me deeply. So I thought I need to get in touch with whoever's behind this film because that doesn't happen to me a lot, <laughs> for one thing. <laughs> and, and to sit there in tears for several minutes after this film... Um, and if anyone hasn't watched it, uh, go watch that. It's on it's on YouTube. And mm-hmm. but tell me a little bit, if you don't mind, Rena, what's kind of the history behind this film coming together? Because it's a it's kind of a unique genre, being a dance film. For so it's kind of an artistic representation. So sorry, I'm a little long winded, but tell me your side of the fence here. <laughs> How did this all come about? Yeah, no, absolutely. I um I'm I'm the director of the project, and I worked with a producing team, which was myself as well as Puppet. And then Nancy Dobbs Owen, who's also the choreographer, and then Danielle Phelan, who came on as a producer as well. Um, we are we all live in Los Angeles, and we're all filmmakers, and we I like to call us multi hyphenists because we do you know dip into a number of different things. Um, I think our common thread with the entire team is is some sort of activism, um, and so we with this particular project, I think all of us were very very invested in gun reform 
um, because it, it seems that it's an increasing problem in the United States. And, you know, we're not yeah. really sure if it's because social media is exposing it more or if it's always existed or, um, or if it is becoming a, a more difficult problem to figure out in our country. Um, but after the Parkland shooting, of, which is by no means the first shooting or the most influential one, there have been many, 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 many shootings that don't even make the news. Yeah, um, yeah which is pretty awful. Um, but we all came together. We, we were just really passionate about what the, what the youth in Parkland are doing with their own activism and how they've turned this tragedy into something that's so inspirational. Um, they've really yeah. used social media and their knowledge and their voice to bring more education to the public on gun reform. And, um, we just wanted to do something to support them and support all past survivors. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. after that shooting, I kind of, in all honesty, I just had a, a dream about this piece, which was a beautiful lyrical dance showing what the kids should be going through and not what they have gone through. Yes. Um, yeah. So it kind of goes, you know, in reverse chronology. Uh, there, it's not a violent movie, uh, just so that everybody knows it's not. And yeah. it's meant to not be violent or graphic because I do want to pay respect to all the families and survivors who've actually gone through this. Um, yes. Which is why we chose dance as a medium. And yeah. um, we don't show anything, no aftermath, nothing like that. It's it's purely a dance piece. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just, uh, there's so many videos coming out that are equally as impactful, but they're pretty graphic, and mm. we just didn't want to do that um, with ours because we want to start a conversation and not, you know, we, we don't want it to be something that makes people scared to talk about it because the whole point is we need to talk about it now. Um, everybody keeps saying there's not, it's not a good time or it's, it's too soon, or but, you know, right after the incident is, uh, is exactly when it should be discussed, yeah. in my opinion. Well. Um, there's so many yeah, of them so, these days, so many of these incidents too. Go, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I, um, you know, it, it was literally, I dreamt it, put it on paper and started contacting people. Nancy is an amazing choreographer and she's such an activist in terms of social justice as well as environment and a number of things. And so we've been looking for projects to work on together for a while and this seemed like a natural fit. And then, um, Puppet is also a director and I've produced for her before several times uh and so well a couple times and they've both been really great yeah. projects so they feel like several projects but yeah. um but puppet came on board as a producer um danielle has been wanting to produce she's an actress who is really really strong-minded about diversity and diversity issues mm -hmm. um and so she jumped in right away as well as a producer this is one of her first projects she's producing yeah and she's phenomenal <laughs> so mm -hmm. That's how the project kind of came together. And, um, you know, the more people we talked about the project with in Los Angeles, the more we realized all these companies that are local to entertainment are looking for good causes to contribute to. So yeah. our soundstage was donated by the Teen Wolf executive producer um, for mm -hmm. the series that was just on. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the camera package was, uh, sponsored by the camera division. We just had so many allies that popped up out of nowhere. Quixote donated some equipment and gear. Wow. 
Um, wow. You know, it was just an amazing process. Like, yeah. you just don't know how many good people are here. And it's a matter of bringing it up and talking about it. I'm sure you're well, well aware of, you know, part of mindfulness is also, it's also speaking up and speaking truth yeah. and speaking with integrity. Yeah. And um, when you do, people join you. Uh-huh. So... So that's how the project came about. I know that's a long-winded answer. <laughs> no, that's you're good. It's, I appreciate you explaining all of that. Be, the beauty of what you're explaining, though, is kind of a, a process of flourishing of something where it started as a spark or a seed in your mind, and then okay. to see that unfold and come to life in a very real sense on the you know on the screen ultimately, and then for someone like okay. me to be sitting there crying at the end of it all. I don't know how that feels on your end because I promise I wasn't the only one. But just to watch that and then people come together and donate this and that and, oh, yeah, I want to be a part of this. And then all the forces and pieces are in place finally for it to to be what it became uh, as this very touching, moving piece I would submit. Uh, it's uh that's and and I think and what I do with this podcast too is I, I try to take whatever we're talking about with anyone and people can apply that in all kinds of ways whatever they're doing business family or whatever it is it's it's about having an idea but executing taking some initiative making the calls whatever you need to do to put the pieces in place for whatever that is and it's beautiful that you did that and uh, because some people get scared I mean I'm sure being a filmmaker how long have you been doing this Rena if you don't mind me asking. Um, I've been acting since, uh, I've been acting since 2003. Uh-huh. Um, after I got back from New York, I was training at William Asper Studio in New York and I finished my program and then came back to LA where I could be in touch with nature again on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much the only difference between LA and New York is nature. And weather. The people are interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, since then, since 2003, I've been acting, and then since about 2007, I have been producing and directing is very recent. Um, I was directing a lot of theater before, but now uh-huh. I'm transitioning into more film, TV, music, video uh, content that can reach the masses on YouTube, yeah. hopefully. Cross fingers, knock on wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because a lot of my work is, um, is cause-based, and even if it's not in your face, there's something underneath the stuff that I'm really excited about that is cause-based. I think, um, you know what, in San Francisco we had this amazing uh, panel discussion when we, the week after we released the project. And, um, mm-hmm. and everybody on our panel, they were all cause-based artists or activists or politicians. And um, it's just really inspiring when you see an audience full of people who are either becoming proactive about causes they believe in or they don't know what to do. And then to be able to say all you need is an idea to execute and contribute to a cause that you really believe in, all you really need to do is have the idea. Yeah. It's like what you were talking about. Um, It all starts there. Once you have the idea and you say it out loud. Yeah. Well, and I love love the courage of it uh, as far as, again, taking some initiative because so many people... Outside of this topic and the activism of it, which is very, very important, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, uh, just taking initiative. I want to encourage our audience all the time to t- take the right initiative, do good things, because mm-hmm. people, as we know from just what this topic is, people take very evil negative initiative with school shootings and other sorts <laughs> of 
uh, ugly uh, violence and all sorts of negative things. So yeah. we, that's that's another reason we have to be motivated, encouraged to, to take more uh, initiative ourselves for good things to to kind of offset as but as much we can as much as we can what the what those other negative things are. One thing I wanted to talk to you about too with this. Did you have more you wanted to say about that as far as <laughs> your background or anything <laughs> first? No, not at all. Okay. I, I did want to say the initiative thing is huge. It's huge. And I think a lot of us feel like we're alone. We're never alone. We are never alone. It's a matter of, of reaching out into the ether and people come. People come when they believe in you and they believe in your in your idea and whatever it is that you want to take initiative on. Yeah. There are people there to support you. It's, yeah. it's just, you know, we have to get rid of that idea of... Um, of a lack of abundance in the world because it comes in people, it comes in support. Um, even that person who's willing to give you a meal uh, for your team, our, our caterer, for instance, um, I put it out to her, even though she's a caterer, it costs money to make food. Yes. And she donated all our meals for this production. And um, wow. it just takes putting it out into the world and people will support everybody who has initiative or ideas or passions um there's always support out there yeah that's beautiful i i appreciate your story and your your and you have a good experience too i mean it's not like you're just you just started and even if you had it would be okay too but uh, you have you have a fair amount of experience in the entertainment film acting world and few probably obviously relationships and you were able to tap into all of that for this particular project and when I think of the school shooting topic, I I don't know your age, and you can tell me if you want, but you don't have to. Uh, but I I graduated high school in 1998, which was 20 years okay. ago at the time of this yep. recording. And the the next year was when Columbine happened. Uh, yep. You know, April of '99, and I was working at a toy store of all places, and also in LA, and uh, same same toy store where they filmed uh, play, uh what's it called. Jingle all the way. It's the holiday season right now. It oh, said yeah, all this yeah. stuff is right there on Ventura Boulevard. That's a side note, but we get all this wacky stuff in LA or some <laughs> yeah, you run into a yeah. celebrity and all that. But I digress. I was walking into work and everyone's saying, Hey, did you hear about this? And and I was just shocked because I was an eighteen year old kid at the time and looking yeah. at and, and then go home to watch the news. We didn't have streaming things on phones and YouTube in those days. And uh yep. But it, it, nothing like that had happened in my particular youth and lifetime. And since then, uh, they I believe there were 14, 15 victims in that, plus the two kids who uh, carried out that tragedy. Mm-hmm. And then since then, I remember, I think you said in your in this video, this uh, film, that, that there's been at least 232 school shootings since Columbine. Is that about right? Yes, and there have been more since Parkland that were not included in those statistics. Yeah. So, um, Goodness you know, that's, that's something to think about. Yeah. That Parkland happened, and since then, uh, we've had, I think, at least two more school shootings and two more public shootings, and I'm sure several more that I haven't heard about yet. Um, it's hard to keep tracking because it's just devastating every time. Uh, but yes, and uh, and Columbine was also my instigating experience in terms of gun violence um, mm-hmm. because that's the first shooting I remember. Um, and it was really shocking then. It's really shocking now, and nothing has changed. <laughs> so yeah, it's, uh, there's that. Yeah, 
it's an interesting commentary on our culture and the evolution, if you will, of what's what's gone on in our society. And I, I can't speak to all the factors and reasons, and I'm not... And I'm not going to get too political about anything. Obviously, the p- main position I would take is people's happiness, safety. Uh, obviously, I think we could all agree uh, that we would support everyone being kids being safe going to school, and mm-hmm. uh, like that's a no-brainer. Kids should be safe going to school. No kids should be carrying. There's no reason to have guns at school, and uh, mm-hmm. and and there's so many factors. And and you're a filmmaker. I'm a podcaster. Maybe we're not qualified to say, but we do we do have experience and we're people, we're voters and all these things. So our voices matter, too. And yeah. just as much, really. So do you have any insight on it besides making this beautiful, beautiful film you made? Do you have any insights or thoughts as to uh, how this has come about and exponentially exploded this issue? And, and you're talking school shootings. Well, that's not to mention, you know, we had a synagogue shooting recently. We had. Uh, this thing in Las Vegas last year and multiple yeah. others of various magnitudes over time and especially yeah. since Columbine. That was kind of just like a pivotal moment in our society. But do you have any commentary yeah. or insights you'd like to share or, you know, opinions? <laughs> well, um, my opinion uh, is very strong. Okay. I don't think teachers should be, uh, you know, undergoing uh, gun training. I don't think teacher, teachers should be told they need to bring a gun to school to protect their kids, mm-hmm. um, which has become a trend. And, um, you know, I work in the theater a lot, and now part of, we have a safety meeting at the top of every tech, uh, every tech process. So mm-hmm. in the theater, everybody comes together, all the technicians, all the actors, um, everyone behind the scenes, and the stage manager gives you a safety talk. And they started uh, including active shooter training in the safety talk um at least on the west coast not as much as on the east coast yet but and this is a theater this is this is, this is just going to see a play so mm. the entire staff is being trained on active shooter training so um i think this evolution of how we're looking at gun violence we're, we're treating it as though it's become a normal thing to have in day-to-day functions yeah. Uh, in our communities, which is very scary to me. Um, and I, I'm from Arizona, so, uh, you know, every time I go to Arizona, my mother makes jewelry, and I go with her to the bead store, and there's signs on the door saying, please leave your weapons in the car. <laughs> wow. So, like, wow. you know, it's part of day-to-day life, it seems like. Um, and in a lot of states, it's that way. I, uh, I posted the video on my high school uh, Facebook page, and it started a conversation with um, with a bunch of uh, people from my high school that are born and raised in Arizona, still live there, and a couple of the guys that um, that I grew up with. Apparently, I, I didn't know them personally when I was younger, um, but they started a, a discussion with me. Um, well, it turned into a discussion. At first, it was very um, kind of accusatory that I'm trying to take away their guns, I'm trying to take away their rights. Uh, all of that discussion, which, um, you know, it stems from fear. People are just scared. People, um, I, I think the people I, I was talking to, they kept going back to mental health issues, mental health issues. And we look at all these other countries that equally as much have people who don't have access to as much mental health care as they need. 
but it's not a mental health care issue. Um, domestic abusers are one of the very common gun owners in our country, and a lot of our gun violence happens when police officers go to answer a domestic violence call, and police officers are getting shot by domestic abusers who own guns. Yeah. yeah. Um, how many cases are there where uh, domestic violence isn't considered something that would be put on a federal record if it's just a phone call to a police station. Um, so if we're talking about, you know, background checks, how many people in that condition are not flagged because domestic violence isn't taken as seriously as it should be in this country? Um, yeah. There are a lot of people who pass background checks that probably shouldn't in terms of general violence and our perception of what violence is, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, my big question to my high school friends or high school colleagues, whatever you want to call them, uh, high school people that I, that I you know, studied with, um, yeah. how do you pose that question? Or how do you answer that question about domestic violence and people owning guns in that situation? Is that considered a mental health issue or is that a violence issue? And mm. regardless of what kind of issue it is, how do we deal with anger management and how do we support people who don't know how to deal with their own anger management? How do we deal with depression? How do we deal with neglection? Like neglected children, that's a huge, that's a huge part of, um, I think, gun violence in schools is a lot of, a lot of the people bringing in guns have these kinds of issues that are not managed or they're not detected. And mm -hmm. why are they not detected? Why is it not manageable? Um, yeah. Yeah. What can we do to prevent that? <laughs> it's, it's certainly and, a, um, a... Go ahead, go yeah. ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I, can, I can ramble on about no, this. No, well, you um, have a lot of... And it's it's all valuable. You're not... I wouldn't say rambling. Uh, it's It's interesting to note a lot of things about this because it makes me think... I'm a kind of a big picture thinker a lot of times. At least I like to think I am. <laughs> but... In the sense of, I would go back to our forefathers and wonder, what would these guys think? Uh, I call them guys. Uh, but what would these great people think of, uh, you know, they didn't have uh, these high-powered assault weapons and so forth back in the 1700s, as far as I can tell. And, right. and again, I'm not, I'm not getting too political here. I would state facts for, you know, kind of food for thought for anyone listening to this. Just uh, form your own opinions and let's, you know, let's be active in our system politically and whatnot. Vote according to your conscience about all this. Because, yes, I believe the right to bear arms is, a, is, a, is an important right to have. And yet it's just a few words on an amendment on their constitution that's not talking about assault weapons and school shootings and shooting concert goers and churches and all these terrible, awful things that have happened, mostly just in the last 20 to, you know, 50 years, really, but a big explosion in the last 20 years of this stuff. Uh, so I wonder what those guys would think. And, and one thing I read, too, uh, Rena, was that, and this is some time ago, I don't know exactly what the stats would be at this moment, but people who own guns in their home, and again, I'm just stating stats here, uh, yeah. is that between all the things that could happen with that gun, whether you're gonna whether you defend yourself 
or a suicide or it's used against you by another home invasion or robbery situation or domestic violence situation, all the different things that could happen with this gun, you know, it, it's going to end with something not good for the whoever's on the other end of the gun, for one thing. But what I read was that we're 22 times, I believe, 22 times more likely for one of those more undesired outcomes suicide, domestic violence being used against you than to have defended yourself for, from somebody, you know, coming in, trying to break into your home or whatever, which are the reasons most people say, yes, I have these guns for that reason. Um, so again, just food for thought. And because I used to live, I used to live in Utah and I've lived in New Mexico. You know, we've all, Arizona, I live in California too. It's the Southwest. Um, but in Utah, I remember because my boys were born there. I have two boys and the pediatrician mm-hmm. was saying, you guys have guns in your home? And we didn't. And to this day, I don't. Uh, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, regardless, but they were saying, you have to be very, very, very careful because they're seeing so many things happen with kids, accidents and suicides and whatnot. I, you know, I know of a child, I won't be very specific about this, who was just upset with his parents. He was 11 years old. There's a gun available. He was home alone. He took his life. At 11 years old. And and we're not talking about school shooting. We're just talking about guns and, and death and suicide and tragedy at this point. School su- right. suicide fits in that broad column, school shootings. Right. So what, what thoughts do you have on that? I mean, I, I talk about these statistics. And, mm-hmm. and again, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to sway anybody per se. My position is safety and happiness. I want And kids in particular, it's our responsibility to keep these kids safe. I can't. I can't say enough how much, and, and let me tell you this too, as I, as I get to you answering whatever you want to about my long windedness here is the thing that I think the thing that affected me most about your film, Rena, was when I, and I might tear up here for a second. When I watched those pictures at the end of all yeah. these people who have been killed, uh, just in school shootings and especially these five and six year old kids in, uh, in Connecticut, uh, yeah. and back, I don't even, it was probably about seven, eight years ago now, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and those kids would be in middle school now, but their lives were taken. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what really, I've watched them again, having two boys who are at the moment six and nine. It just all mm-hmm. really, really hit me because the, yeah. many other people were in my shoes and just sent their kids to school and then they were, they were gone. So, right. I've said a lot about statistics. I've said a lot about why I cried <laughs> and yeah. our forefathers. What, what, what would you like to add on any of that or any insights uh, from, from your experience? Yeah, I um, th- thank you for asking that. I, um, and I'm sorry about how much those photos affect you and others. And no, I'm grateful, I'm by the way. <laughs> I don't want you to be sorry at all. I'm sorry to interrupt, but... Please don't be no, sorry for no. this film. You you put out a great, beautiful effort and made a beautiful piece of art here, uh, that th- and and also a statement of sorts. But yeah, don't be sorry. But what what else would you like to add on that, if anything? I I have a um, you know, the more I watch the the video, the more I'm seeing reports on the news and how our our political structures that we currently have are trying to change the ideas revolving around guns. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 
my my thoughts on social culture and empathy are becoming stronger and stronger and stronger every day. Um, I think that we are not, (laughs) you know, the, let me start with the reason we started with the video in a high school is because people are most affected by children, right? Mm -hmm. Which I think is very valid. Um, Children are everything. They're the future. It's, we're here to be a good example for them. We're here to be an example of what the world should look like so that they can grow into it and make it even better. Right. Um, I also want to pay a lot of attention to empathy for people we don't understand, empathy for people that we have never had to encounter, um, or we don't know how to talk to them because they've never talked, we've never talked with certain communities before, whether it's the Jewish community or the Indian community or, you know, the church going community, whatever it is, I, we need empathy. We, we lack empathy as a society. We lack mm-hmm. empathy. We have a ton of people who talk about it, who talk about mindfulness, who talk about empathy, who talk about all these issues, but they don't practice it on a daily basis. And that means yeah. smiling at the person at the grocery store. It's as simple as saying, how are you to the cashier? It's, it's simple, simple things. It's actually caring about strangers. It doesn't have to be your child for you to care about them. Right. Um, you know, I, I always get really frustrated when I see the signs in neighborhoods saying drive like your children live here. I, I, I like to say drive like other living beings live here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that wouldn't apply because we don't have enough empathy for living beings that we don't know personally. Um, Mm. and so with that, I value, I value parenthood a lot. I value, I value all these things that make us better people a lot. Um, but I don't think we need those things in order to choose to become better people. Right. Um, all we need is empathy. All we need is wanting to understand someone who's different wanting to change the idea of the other. Um, that's all we actually need. And we don't value that nearly enough. Well, it's just, it's really awful in the States, I think. And in a lot of places, it's not just the States. Um, mm -hmm. but as human beings, we just, we just need to care. Yeah. (sighs) There's kind of a, I appreciate that. And that's very, very, uh, valid point and no one could argue with that to to valid to excuse me to value human life by virtue of being living creatures and i consider what you said earlier about putting this film together and having kind of a spirit of abundance about it that yes this could come together faith and believing and sure enough it did it seems like some of this might be related to this opposite we sometimes hear about the scarcity mindset or mentality that uh, there's not enough for me to coexist with someone who's maybe different or a little different. There's, I don't know why we've developed this us versus them approach mm-hmm. to life, especially in America. I can't speak to the rest of the world at the moment. I haven't been all over the world. I've been some other places, but I just, I don't understand this us versus them approach. And sometimes truthfully, I've probably, you know, gotten trapped in that, uh, for some ignorant reason in a, in a moment uh, but again, the the bigger picture, as I try to think and 
and pan out, so to speak, to use a film term, <laughs> pan out and look at life from a, from a bigger wide angle, all these people have the right to coexist. And why can't they, why can't we just not step on each other's toes and people can practice their religion or, or whatever it might be? And granted, you've talked about several other factors, mental illness and other things that contribute to all of this. And that, that's certainly a huge part of it as well. So, but when we talk about this us versus them, I'm not quite sure why we got to this place. Um, do you have any thoughts on that as, as getting to this, this where, where we don't empathize with folks who are different? Um, and again, the mental illness and all that is certainly an important factor. But in some cases, it's just that. It's, oh, I don't like this synagogue shooting. Uh, you know, I don't like these particular people. Do you have any thoughts right, on any right. of that? Yeah, I mean, even even the fact that we're blaming mental illness for gun violence is is already creating an us versus them, because you know, mental illness is common everywhere in the entire world, but we're the only country that has issues with gun violence. Yeah, um, we have a lot more guns on a daily basis. <laughs> right, right. We so it's kind of like um, you know the same way that. We need to look at mental health as medical health care. Um, we also need to look at uh, people in our country. We're, we live in, in a, an amazing country. We're entirely built on immigrants except for our native cultures that were that are from here, right. um, who we've also marginalized after arriving in this country. Um, we're an incredible country. We're one of the only countries where you can look at anybody who looks like anything and they could be a native a, a native person of the United States. They could be born and raised in this country. We are comprised of the entire world. We're such a beautiful nation. Yeah. And yeah. yet <laughs> we have a fundamentalist structure that's coming into our country right now um, and creating laws and regulations that revolve around fundamentalism in terms of the environment, in terms of immigration, in terms of just day-to-day social cultures. And that's dangerous. And, um, mm-hmm. and it's giving everybody a green card to be discriminatory mm-hmm. against people we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And now they're all surfacing. And it's dangerous. On the day-to-day, it's a dangerous place to be in. Uh, we have gun violence everywhere. Domestic violence is increasing. Healthcare is decreasing. Uh, immigrant populations are at risk. All these things are, are our country is founded on freedoms of choice. And yeah. now we're in a state of our nation where these choices are being eliminated mm. or they're trying to eliminate our choices yeah. as people from the entire world. <laughs> mm. Um, I, I can't imagine myself calling myself anything but American because it's truly by definition who I am as a person. My parents immigrated here. I was born in New Jersey. I was raised in the Southwest. Mm -hmm. I'm used to sing cowboy boots and in the same breath I sing Led Zeppelin and my mother listens to country music and my dances. Awesome. Um, I am... Exactly, by definition, American. And now, as an adult, I'm seeing our country go in a direction that's very scary to me. 
um, as a woman, as a brown person, as a child of immigrants, um, it's a very scary nation to live in right now. And it's only increasing the idea of the other. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know how how we eliminate this concept of the other and us and them. I don't know how to do it in this country. Um, all we can do is just look at our microcosm, look at our direct communities. You know, if we, if we go to work and we've just hired a new intern or we've just hired a new employee and this is their entry-level position the first time they're there and they mess up at their job, let's step back and take a look and see what is their life experience. Yeah. Why do they mess up? Can we help foster them and nurture them into doing it correctly next time? Yeah. It's as simple as that, as looking at our day-to-day lives and choosing to make a choice that eliminates the other or eliminates the making other people feel bad about what they've done. Yeah. It's about education and being supportive and becoming a mentor to everybody Yeah, that we can be a mentor to without dictating or... You know, it, it's really choose choose the higher road. Choose to be a mentor. <laughs> yeah. Choose to understand everybody starts somewhere. Yeah. Well, you're talking a lot about kind of a fostering maybe a culture of love, which people, mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Uh, America, we don't, it was such a wealthy, successful uh, nation, and yes, there's major, you know, there's some suffering and things that happen and poverty galore and so forth also in America. And and I would dare say I've been overseas, you've been, you know, you have background in India and so forth too with your family. Uh, some of what is ex- experienced here versus what's considered poverty in other places in the world is, is I, I don't want to go out on a limb too hard here, but it's almost night and day. I mean, you could live in poverty in America and still have a smartphone, for example. <laughs> and, right, and, right. And, and I don't mean to kind of digress a little bit more here, but we're talking about fostering. I, I interviewed the head of uh, NoBully.org, Will McCoy, who was also part of this uh, dance film festival. And uh, yeah. We had, yeah, he's great. He's yeah, great. he's excellent background, and he's got a large... Uh, background in, in education, superintendent schools, and throughout the whole spectrum. But uh, the whole thing with bullying in our society has gotten so off the wall. Again, having graduated high school in 1998, as I did, the internet was fairly new. It was dial-up where you had all this noise to get connect to the internet, <laughs> and it was slow. And nowadays we have the social media galore, and there's online bullying, and there's bullying at school, and then there's there's bullying that's almost, it's almost like it's it's becoming acceptable because we see our quote-unquote leaders uh, doing this. And again, I don't name names for purposes of the podcast, but it's and it's not any one particular. <laughs> it's it's a culture of bullying. I just wonder how we get back to this. You know, I think I'm not trying to be Mr. Hippie or something. You know, my parents, my mom in particular, were kind of a hippie in the 60s. You know, and I think back, I love the Beatles music, John Lennon saying, all you need is love and and yeah. and all, all of this stuff in that whole culture was love, 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 and I don't know I don't know how ignorant it is to just say oh all we can do is love each other, but really that is a big answer to things, and it's a very simple answer. I just I just don't know how we get back to that um, because you talk about this nation being we've used the term sometimes of a melting pot of all these things and different colors of skin and cultures, and I love that about America. And you come to California where I believe around 55 million people of our over 300 million 
uh, U.S. citizens live. So about a sixth of our nation lives in California, if anyone's not aware of that, uh, <laughs> including us. It's, uh, there's just so much here, not just in California, all over the country. Why, why can't we embrace that or value, value these differences? Because that's something that I heard Stephen Covey talk in terms of marriages where – you know, that's one of the ways you have children is you value the differences between the, the man and the woman creating a child. Why not value the differences as a society and just embrace and love each other and uplift? Oh, this person's suffering. Let's uplift. I just don't know how we got to this bullying place. And it seems like we can, I'm hopeful we can come out of it. What do you think about that as far as this, this bullying culture? Or am I off with that? I mean, do you think it's increased over the years? Well, I mean... We, we also, unfortunately, come from a bullying culture. The pilgrims came and bullied the natives. And then um, the Irish came and they were bullied by, you know, it just, the list goes on. That we've always had a bullying culture. The person being bullied has just changed. Mm. After 9-11, it was all our Middle Eastern brothers and sisters that were being attacked. And, mm. um, and South Asian people who were being attacked. And now it's... You know, it's just changed. It's just drifted. Who we who we decided is the popular crowd to bully has changed. Um, yeah. But I think the most, like, I don't know how we can do this as a society. But what I do know is if each of us chose not to do that in our own world, maybe it would make a little bit of impact. Um, younger people are sponges, and they learn from their mentors, their teachers, the people that are surrounding them on the day to day. So how do we each just choose to be an example in some capacity, no matter how small, um, to, to help? Um, it's kind of like the no bully campaign for Burger King that they were doing, yeah. uh, where they had yeah. the hidden camera. Uh-huh. Um, that was a beautiful campaign. That was gorgeous because they did catch people who were adults who saw a child getting bullied and chose to stand up for them. And um, and there are people like that. So what do we do if we each choose to be that person? You know, granted, not everyone's going to choose to be that person because they don't they don't value that in their own lives, and so mm-hmm. they're not going to implement it. Um, but for those of us who do want to make change happen and who do want to get rid of this bullying culture, let's just do it. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it'll multiply. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, it's uh. All the, all these things are, are complicated topics because, you know, we, we can't pretend we can control any. That, that's one of the other foundational pieces of America is we don't, we don't really control each other to a large extent. Yes, there are laws. There's things you can't do. You'll go to prison and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, if, if we could show people the value so that we could also, you know, foster actual choices of we want to sincerely actually be this as a society of uh, a society of love, acceptance, uh, you know, and we're getting we're kind of going off the topic of guns, but it's all an extension of the the violence and the things that happen there. It, granted, some of these, these school shootings happen for various reasons, but a, a lot of times there's a bullying situation. That's where we talk about Columbine being kind of the tipping point for this latest generation, uh, th- those boys were clearly bullied and nobody expected, oh, it's going to lead to what happened there. But, 
I just, I, and I tell my kids, by the way, if you ever see anybody who's different or anyone being mean to somebody, you stand up for them. You know, I'm not trying to get gold medals being the great dad, but you be nice to those people. You embrace them. You invite them to be a part of whatever you're doing, playing sports at recess or whatever. Uh, you do not let people be mistreated just because they're different or they're not as quote unquote cool. They don't dress as cool or they have, you know, they're poor. There's all these different reasons. And and so with these school shootings, school is where we go to learn. That's what's so ironic uh, among zillions of things. This is where kids are largely being taught. They're getting knowledge and hopefully good knowledge. And yet they're unsafe. Like, how can you? And my boys, by the way, right now are in school in Thousand Oaks, which is where we just had another shooting. And I was driving there that day back from the Bay Area and the the day the morning after that recent shooting and I was in tears driving and I thought I thought back to my 18 year old self when Columbine yeah. happened and and something happens when you become a parent I'm sitting there crying wondering to myself what's happening and I, I realize this is what's supposed to happen I'm supposed to be <laughs> emotional I'm supposed to be caring and caring and wor- worried for my boys and all the others affected um, you know I get just like you, we have a lot to say, and it's good because people need to be passionate about something. Um, so maybe I touch on too many topics all at once, but this bullying thing and being in our <laughs> schools, it just cannot happen. It's got to stop. It's just yeah. these kids deserve better, and I I just I can't imagine why we've let this get so out of hand. It's like we didn't know the power we were unleashing by creating this internet for one thing because it's such a beautiful powerful thing and yet tons of bullying now takes place where kids used to be able to just go home and the bullying stop now it doesn't you know right uh yeah i um you know i i I keep thinking about that entire concept because you know a lot of people go into shock when they find out i grew up for my teens my you know 12 years old on through college i was in arizona and um in my family, we, we have a privilege, and it was a privilege, that we got to sit together for dinner every day. Beautiful. Um, Seven o'clock was dinner. My dad would be home by then, and then he'd work with us on homework for three hours after dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, every day. <laughs> every day we had two parents who were available to us, and every day we sat together and talked about our days. And, you wow. know, when I was 12, I had just come back from India. We had tried to live in India for two years, and... At that age, I picked up the accent, so when I came back, um, I had an accent, and mm-hmm. I was in Mesa, Arizona, and I'm so thankful that my school was predominantly uh, Mormon and Catholic school, and all the kids were pretty much raised on kindness, and uh, the churches were inclusive and invited us to attend. Who knows if they were trying to convert us or not, but it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. <laughs> we were invited to Team Mass. We were invited to participate if we wanted to and kindness was just I'm so lucky that I grew up in Mesa Arizona and went to the school I went to um I'm just so lucky Mm -hmm. and I think about that because I look at a lot of the kids now and they don't sit down for dinner with their parents they're on their you know on their iPhones or on their tablets and playing games and eating dinner in front of the tv or whatever it else it is they're doing and that's a big chunk of time that I used to have 
to check in with my family. Mm. Um, and I, I don't see that happening as often as it used to. So when I was growing up, you know, even if I wasn't having dinner with my parents, I was having dinner with another family mm -hmm. and it was all of us sitting at a table together, eating dinner together yeah. uh, as a family and a friends. And, wow. um, and that was absolute privilege. And, and it, I'm incredibly aware of that because that saved me. My, my parents, um, are my best friends. I can tell them anything. My, my wow. father has passed on, but, um, but my mom's still around and she's by far my best friend. And so it's mm. kind of like, how do you transition from being a parent to being a friend so that your child is comfortable enough to tell you what's going on? Yeah. Well, um, I'm, I'm sorry. You know? I'm sorry to hear about your father first, but I'm glad you've had a beautiful relationship there. Um, mm -hmm. the, there's something, and I don't mean if I'm cutting you off, I apologize. There's just no. something powerful no. with this family's eating together. Even if even if it's just once a week, because I, I interviewed these co-authors of a book called The Boy Crisis, um, and mm -hmm. Dr. John Gray, Dr. Warren Farrell, uh, beautiful, accomplished uh, individuals there, and great, excellent work on just what's going on with boys in our society. And that's one of the key things they talk about is having this family dinner night. It's not we all sit around and look at our electronic devices and stuff our faces with whatever's on the table. But actually have an interaction. There's there's just something powerful about families convening at a table and you know enjoying food together, perhaps. Uh, but more importantly, the interaction between those people as part of that process. And I appreciate your kind of testimonial, let's say, <laughs> on that. And and yes, you are lucky because most people probably who would listen to this might say, you know what, that I didn't grow up that way, or my kids aren't growing up that way. And we're not trying to make anyone feel bad. It's Life isn't no, an easy no. thing. You're busy. You got schedules. But if if we make a little effort and say, you know what, I want this. I want to at least try to do it twice a week. So, yeah. whatever your situation is, married or not, or whatever, let's you know find a way to make that happen. And I guarantee, starting at that level, that this back to basics thing of some of the things that because I think back to my grandparents. Yeah, you know, uh, they bought a house in the Bay Area, in 1954. And everyone back then didn't have everything figured out either, but they did have some basic premises like family dinner and all that kind of stuff. And it was just simpler times. There's no internet. There was <laughs> all kinds of different culture back then. And before that, you go back before even cars existed. People just, it was a yeah. more family-based society. I think that, to be truthful with you, I think that is a huge part of the answer. I don't know that we can get back to that because it has to happen individually people have to convince themselves and make it start in their own home and before you know it you know the billions of homes on earth hopefully most will get back to those basic family-centered premises of of how we conduct our lives and and i think a lot of this stuff would just diminish if we did that in a spirit of love i just it would i know it's oversimplified to say it we can all talk everyone's talking like you mentioned at the beginning <laughs> but put into practice we can we can. Um, yeah, and just to add to that, um, the concept of family, I think because the most recent couple of generations, it's very common for the next generation to then move away from where their family lives. Um, I think the concept of chosen family has become increasingly important to know who your, who your team is um, when you're not close to blood relations. And obligatory family you're with your chosen family 
Mm-hmm. And they are people who do not feel obligated to help you in any capacity, but are choosing to do it because they care. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's an equal amount of importance that should be put on that, in my opinion, as, you know, I, I've been in, uh, in the entertainment industry since I was 21. I got in a car, packed up, and drove out to L.A. by myself, where I met up with some college friends who had moved at the same time. and. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky I had college friends at that time. Had I not had them, I wouldn't have my chosen family that I still have today over 20 years later. Um, wow. But it's important to find those people. It's important to, to know that when you're away from home that you have to build, you have to build a community that you trust, that you can go to, that is not your therapist, that you're paying to help yeah. you, but are people who, who feel committed to you without the obligation. Yeah. Um, I think that's equally as important. Uh, you know, being in LA, speaking of uh, bullying and having the other, I think a lot of us in the entertainment industry, we, we end up going to LA and New York because we're the black sheep of our communities and hmm. we come together and find each other in these big cities and yeah. we build something together and it's artistic and it's creative. And, you know, I used to be part of a theater company in LA and now a lot of, probably about half the membership, they all have children now and, and these are theater babies. They come to rehearsals and everybody takes care of each other and they watch over each other's kids and they babysit for each other and their chosen family in that company. It's, it's, the, it's the community of people. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the value on that is, is just as important. I, you know, family, family, the definition of family has changed drastically from, from our grandparents' generation. And, um, and I think that needs to be acknowledged and understood that that's just as valuable as, uh, a blood family, um, or adoptive family, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot, there's a lot in there and a lot of it's social culture and the fabric of what our culture is and how it's defined. And so much of it bleeds into all these issues you're talking about, yeah. uh, bullying and gun guns and <laughs> healthcare and immigration. All of these things are affected by our social culture. Yeah. Well, again, it's pretty safe to say it starts with families, though. I mean, our life starts with a family. So it seems like the roots of solving and making things better in our society have to start there, too. And all these other topics you're mentioning as well. And I think, too, living in L.A., you know, my dad lived there before I was born and did mm-hmm. sales and so on. And, and he says of all the, and back there was like the 1970s, it was, but it, the air was a little dirtier and maybe not quite <laughs> as many people, but it was still a crowded city. And, and the funny thing he said to me that kind of stuck with me is LA is one of these cities where th- there's tons and tons of people, but you could also be very lonely too, uh, mm. which is one reason we need to reach out. You know, if, if anyone listening to this, you feel lonely, by the way, reach out to me. I'll take your emails and help direct you with what I can. But and you mentioned therapists. It's not obviously to badmouth therapists. There's some important value no, there no. with therapists, and I know you weren't doing that. A lot. Um, no, no. But and the reason I'm ta- touching on this loneliness part is back to the gun thing. Is that another thing that I read about the gun topic? Is we talk about murders in our society. Uh, and I believe, and I, I'm not going to be exact on my numbers because off the top of my head, but I think back, you know, 2014, it was about 14,000 murders uh, in America. 
and we had about 43 or so thousand suicides. Uh, and I'm not sure if that was with guns or if there, if there was another qualifying part of that statistic. But the, the point being, people don't realize that suicide is actually a, by about two to three times a much greater cause of death than just, and that's not to diminish, of course, the school shootings. That's a very, very serious topic. But just what goes on and guns is obviously a big part in many cases of both sides of you know, murders and school shootings and also suicides. So, and that goes, that goes to speak to how people feel in our society, feeling lonely and, uh, you know, just alone in general. That's one of the reasons in most of our episodes, I say you are not alone until, you know, I remind people of the reality. You are priceless and you're never alone. Hopefully that sinks in with, with some people because sometimes we forget that. And that, that's just a tragedy to me that, <laughs> all of it's a tragedy, but to think that two to three times the amount of people murdered are actually committing suicide is, uh, it really got me thinking, and that's another thing that stuck with me. But anyway, I talk about L.A. and being able, you know, possibly lots of people being lonely in such a big city, and you talk about having a family of sorts there too, but I, I just wonder how we can help people realize they don't need to be alone and need to suffer or commit suicide, these ugly things that happen uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's very complicated. Um, when you stay in your hometown, there's an immediate family that's there for you. The minute you leave and go to a city where you don't know anybody, you have to make so much effort to find the people to stick. Yeah. Um, and find the people who want to stick around. And, you can have a ton of friends that you go out with every weekend, but finding the person that you can call when you're in tears is, is different. Um, mm. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's really, um, it's complicated and it's hard and it takes so much work. But and in the same breath, I'm going to say all that work is worth it yeah. uh, because you, you do find people who will be there for you through thick and thin no matter, and they're out there, yeah. but you have to try so hard. <laughs> I mean, I think our, there. I, I believe that 100%, and I, and I think there's way more reasons to be positive and hopeful than we realize, and some of it's we have, we're such, we have such a barrage of negativity from media and just the news in general and all the bullying that goes on in our society, but if you wiped away that cloud for a second, there is a ton more good and positive in our society and of people we can turn to and just options and resources that, that we have that we may not realize because we have this barrage that's kind of a lie of everything's terrible and, and just evil and hopeless because that's a lie. It's not. It's far, far from it, in fact. Right. Um, what what else would you like to add to the to the topic? Because I don't want to keep you too long either. We could talk all day on this topic, and maybe we can reconvene, yeah. or if you have another film at some point too. If you like to talk about whatever else you're working on too, uh, we can do that as we wrap up here. Because again, I could go all day, and again, I'm somewhat long winded. I apologize, but what else would you like to touch yeah. on with this topic, Rena, or other things you're working on? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, gosh, I mean, we talked about so much already. I I just, uh, you know, I just feel like right now I'm working on another project. Let's talk about my other project. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm working on a short film that's about free will, actually. And it surrounds, uh, it, it, it's based around a person, uh, a girl who's in her early 20s, 
and it's in a world where your career and your field is chosen for you and it's um you know it's kind of like a it's a fairy tale world and mm-hmm. so she's making the choice to go against what's been chosen for her because she sees that no good is happening from doing what she's been told she's supposed to be doing with her life mm-hmm. and she wants to make the world a better place and so she goes against the powers that be and stops doing it. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. And I read the script, and it's a comedy that turns into a tragedy. And um, Brandy Harkonnen wrote it with Ray Felipe, and uh, they've done such an amazing job. It's hilarious when you start reading it, and then it just ends with your mouth wide open in shock. And um, it's a beautiful story. And I, I read it, and I was just like, this is life. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we walk down the street and we see somebody doing something and we either choose to help or we choose to ignore it and keep walking. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, which person do you want to be? Right. Do, do you have a uh, like a release date when that's going to come out by chance or any other information? I don't. We're going to be shooting in two weekends. So, um, okay. you know, as soon as, as soon as we can get into post, I'll probably be contacting and I, I feel like you might resonate with the with that story yeah we'd love well. to we'd love to talk further about that one too and that, and that the idea of free will I realize in the context of what you're describing might be a little bit different somewhat than the gun topic but we're all talking about people's choices at the end of the day here and and the freedom exactly. we have to make them and that's a fragile thing that we've learned to take for granted in America after 240 ish years uh, <laughs> that I guess, oh, well, we it's just what we have, but it's its fragile, and we could lose that. And and I appreciate that you're doing that film and this other beautiful, I can't say enough, too many bodies. Go watch that if you haven't on YouTube. Uh, and also, how else can people stay on top of what you're doing and in touch with you, Rena, online and social yeah, media? Yeah, um, well, there's, there's two sites I would love to tell everybody about. Um, there's org. Mm-hmm. which is our website for the music video, but it's also a website of resources for survivors, families, and um, and advocacy. So uh, it, we basically put together all the resources we could find um, from both ends of the spectrum, so people who need help after going through something like this, and then people who want to advocate for policy change. Okay. Um, and it's a national resource website. So please check it out if you if you know anybody who's interested in advocating for gun reform or if you know anybody who's looking for help and support. Um, it has all that information on that site. Uh, the second spot is my personal website, lena.com, which is R-E-E-N-A-D-U-T-T at gmail, or at, um, sorry, lena.com. Oh, yeah, 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 I got you. R-E-E-N-A-D-U-T-T. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I just have a, a running list of what all I'm involved with over there. But um, but yeah, too many org is the is the place to go for gun reform, for resources, uh, advocacy groups, support groups, and it's a nationwide resource. Okay. Well, thank you so much both for your time and for creating this film that started as a seed in your mind and became a beautiful, uh, touching both tribute and statement regarding school shootings and this violence in our culture and just letting everyone, and it's such an artistic, you know, I'm an artist person myself. I'm a musician, so I can 
maybe appreciate that more than some might, but I appreciate, I realize that a lot of people can resonate with art, which is why it's always been a part of our, uh, of human society, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I love yeah. the way you did it because it's, it's unique. It's a dance film. And the, mu- by the way, who did the music? Uh, because the music was one of the key factors that also brought tears out of me yeah. combined with the visuals. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I believe you went to Musicians Institute. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. I did. Again, 20-ish years yeah. ago, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. I was just thinking about um, Alex Mackey, who was our singer-songwriter. He he wrote the piece, and the song is called Place Called Us. And he's an amazing singer-songwriter. He predominantly does folk rock, and, um, and he just has a beautiful vision, a beautiful voice. He wrote the song. He recorded it by himself. He records analog. Um, yeah, he's a pretty brilliant musician that we were so excited to find. So um, she really made it happen, and his heart was in the right place. So great. Well, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, we want to we want to give shout out to any musicians out there because that's my uh, that's my cup of tea, so to speak. But. Uh, well, Rena, thank you so much. I want to stay in touch with you. Hopefully we can reconvene here on your other projects and I expect big things out of you. I, uh, with, with what you've already done, I, I see you're on that path already and I, and I appreciate your mindset. I appreciate your insights. And we're just two Americans sitting here talking. I come from, you know, background from European, you know, ancestry and you with India and whatever else in your background. And we can come to America and make a statement and our voice matters. We have freedom of speech. We have all these rights and let's make them matter. And again, for everyone's happiness and safety, let's love each other. That's all I can say. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up here, Rena? I just want to echo that. Let's just love each other and be kind to each other. I think it makes the biggest impact without us knowing. Beautiful. Sim- simplicity. Yeah. We, don't, we can be long-winded, but simplicity. Let's love each other. Uh, and for our audience, as you know, if you've listened to our podcast, Rena or anybody else, uh, I just want to always leave you with a statement of number one, we always challenge our audience, uh, study, keep studying. If you haven't been make great moments in your life, again, families, we talk about family, having family dinner night. That's one way maybe we can all do a little bit better. And, uh, sometimes I talk more at length in these challenges and let's keep doing this podcast together. Uh, until next time, empower yourself, empower the world around you. Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.